I believe God um, chose this time and this moment and he's using me as a vessel to help you produce a breakthrough in your life. There's so many people who are worried. There's so many people who are stressed. There's so many people who are giving into the news and, and the events that are happening in the world that we're, we're compromising what we know about the Bible. And today I'm coming to break that. I am coming to tear away every lie, every misconception that God about God's word and about God that people have deposited in, you, in, deposited in you, that the enemy has tried to make you scared, the enemy has tried to push you away from God because if he can convince you that God is not faithful, he believes that you will part from him. But as long as you're sitting here today, as long as you're watching online, I want to give you a big, 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 big shout out because you're still trusting God. That even though things aren't perfect, you trust in the perfect God. So today we're going to be talking about money, and I know for a lot of people it makes you tight. It makes you just want to fold your arms and, you know, cross it. But we've been hearing about the economy, we've been hearing about inflation, we've been hearing about food prices. Have you seen the price of oil? Yeah. My goodness me. Well, start boiling everything, right? <laughs> but today, I'm breaking that because God is faithful. And even though the people are scared outside, we will not be shaken, we will not be scared because our God is faithful. He's faithful. And if you came in here today and you're worried and you're anxious and you're not sure what's going to happen at work or at home, you're looking at all your kids and you're wondering what is, what is the future looking like? Today I'm going to remind you through the word of God that God has promises for you, that he's going to keep you, that he's going to sustain you. So just before we get into it, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Father, we thank you that you are going to remind us. And for some of us, we're going to hear for the very first time how we can honor you in the area of our finances, Lord. Father, I pray for every person who's been abused, Father, or taken advantage of through the message of money, through the, the false message of prosperity. And I pray, God, that you will open their hearts once again, Lord. God, I pray that every person who's in this building today may receive revelation, that they may trust you above any bank balance, that they may trust you above any, any position, any person that's in a position of authority and trust that you are greater than all of those things, Lord. That even though there are a lot of things that cause us to be worried and concerned, we can take heart and know that you are taking care of us, Lord. So open every ear, open every heart to receive this message. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. 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 Okay, so I'm going to go to Genesis uh, chapter 28. And today I'm going to be teaching about the three levels of stewardship and generosity. The three levels of stewardship and generosity. Okay. The reason why I want to speak about this today is because if you don't understand this, you could find yourself praying about things that God already does. And as a, as a leader and as a pastor, in, in this season, a lot of people have been coming to me and asking me to pray about finances, asking me to pray about the situation at work. People feel like they, they don't have enough to get by. And I'm, and I'm praying that after this, when you receive this revelation, you have a lot more faith. I believe as believers, we, have, um, we pray about a lot of things. But money shouldn't be one of the things that we're praying for. Provision shouldn't be one of the things that we're praying for because these are things that God already does. 
God wants to actually give you more than you need so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you so much that people who are in trouble, they can believe in God because of how he's used you to even help them. That you've even stopped worrying about your own life and now you're worrying and now you're praying about how to extend yourself beyond yourself. So when I open up the Bible, I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? In addition to the scriptures that we're all familiar with, God, what do you want me to say to the people today? And I've been stuck on the story of Jacob because Jacob is one of those people in the Bible that he's very vindictive, he's very manipulative, he's, he'll do anything and everything to get ahead. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, people will be tempted to do that out of worry and out of stress regarding finances. That they'll be more concerned about themselves and try and pull people behind to get ahead. Not necessarily because they're all selfish, but because they're worried. So today, we're gonna to hear about the promises of God because God made a, pro a promise to Jacob and even in that promise, it wasn't necessarily about blessing him because of anything that he has done. God blessed him because he had a plan and a purpose and he, he made a promise to Abraham, his grandfather, that through that generation would ultimately come Jesus. So he wasn't blessed because he did anything right. He wasn't blessed because God looked at him a particular way. He was blessed because he was part of God's plan. And because we're all part of God's plan, because we're all his children, there's a promise for you. So let's go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 28, and I'm gonna be starting at verse 10. It says this. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. After sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and laid down to sleep. As he dreamed, um, sorry, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground that you are laying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. Does that sound like a rap song? <laughs> and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. Somebody needs to hear that today. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land, and I will not, sorry, and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. But don't say another word. We could end the service right here. God has a promise for you. As his children, as the people that he has uh, been faithful to, people who have received him as Lord and Savior, God has a promise for you too. The same way Jacob has been looked at, and the same way that Jacob can be one of the people that God can use, you are one of those people that God can use too. I honestly read the story of Jacob, and if you're familiar with Jacob, you know that he's not really a good guy. And I thought, God, if you can use a guy like Jacob, if he can be a tool in your hands, surely you can do that through the people of new life. 
And as I was coming up with this sermon and as I was studying and I was seeing what God wants to say, this illustration came up, okay? And a lot of us are familiar with scriptures about cups, okay? See, see if you can, you can finish this. Because my cup runneth, you see, we all know that, right? But the thing about a cup is that the greatest emphasis that's placed on this is how you drink it. Okay? So when we think of a cup running over, we think of it having enough for us and then for other people. And today, God is challenging you through this message to stop considering yourself as a cup and consider yourself as a jar. That you have the ability to make other people's cups run over if you move in faithfulness and obedience to Him. This church is shaking up Woodbank. It will continue to shake up Woodbank. But today, God wants you to remove the lid. God wants you to stop setting the standard of how much He can pour into you. I want to preach today. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. The problem with all of us is that we tell God just how much He can use us. We set the standard of what God can do in and through our lives. And God is saying, if you'd stop worrying as much, I could use you. If you stop watching the news and opened your Bible, I could use you more. If you paid attention to what I'm saying, you'll stop worrying about your kids at school fees and university and all those things. Because if I can trust you with the contents, and if you can allow me to determine how it comes out, there's no limits to how much I can pour in. Many of us here today don't trust God to this level because it's scary. Can we be honest? You know, some of us clapped, but the ones that didn't clap, right? It's scary, right? Because what if? What if he doesn't do it like Ntogo said? What if everything that I hoping God does, he doesn't do? And I've seen him do it for other people, but what if he doesn't do it for me? Jacob was not a good guy. But God had a plan and a purpose and he was refining Jacob's heart. And as he refined Jacob's heart, he could trust him with more. For many of us in here today, God is trying to trust you more. And the first area that he's trying to trust you with, and this is level one of stewardship and generosity, is with the tithe. I'm going to continue reading this passage of scripture and you'll see what happens. Look here, he says, Then Jacob... I woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up early. He went, he took the stone that he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. Who made the vow? Jacob. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, 
if he will provide me with food and clothing, if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord, the Lord, will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up here will become a place of worshiping God, and I'll present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So tithe basically means a tenth or 10%. Jacob heard a promise from God. And then he went out by faith and said, if God does this for me, he will no longer just be the God of my grandfather. He'll no longer just be the God of my father. He will be my God. And my response to his faithfulness is 10%. For so many of us in here today, we don't realize that God first gave us and our response is up to us. That that 10%, that even though for some of us it may seem like a significant figure, if you would trust God with it, eventually you'd get to a place where it becomes comfortable. It becomes as familiar to you as paying rent or paying your bond or whatever else it is you pay. Jacob responded and said, if there's a promise and if you're faithful, you will be my God and I will respond to your grace and your favor on my life. None of us deserve God's grace and none of us deserve God's favor. But because he's keeping us and he's sustaining us, one of the things that we can do is respond to him by giving him a tenth of our income. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now somebody just woke up because they heard me say wine. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> We're not talking about wine. We're talking about money, okay? So there's running over when you honor God first with your finances. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. Many of us are familiar with this. It says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heavens armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will, I will guard them against insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for the land will be, full, the land will be a delight. And the Lord of, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. So when it comes to tithing, not only are you removing this and you're allowing God to fill it, now you're getting protection as well. We live in South Africa. Protection is one of the things that concerns us the most. I once heard of a, a story where people who like steal would hide in like plastic bags and then ta-da, and then you're getting robbed, right? So when you get to the house, you're always observant of what's happening around you. You drive in, you close the gate, you get inside the house. You make sure every door is locked, you check all the windows. Then you go by the window and you lock the car. Then you turn around and you do something and you're like, wait, did I press unlock? Or did I lock, right? And then you go and you lock it again. In, in this area, when it comes to protection and worrying about the things that we have, God says, I'm gonna protect those things. For somebody in here today, when you tithe, when you're faithful to God in your finances, you can go to bed. I don't know who that is for, 
Because God has expanded you and God has grown you. And the more you have, the more you worry because the more there is to manage. And what if it's crawling and it's coming to you while you're sleeping and you wake up and you check everything because you're worried about this protection. God says, I will protect everything that you have. And he speaks about um, grapes here not falling before they are due. And that speaks to the future. Many of us are worried about the present and God says he'll protect you, but a lot of us worry about the future. And God is saying here that your fruit, the things that you produce, will also be protected. They will not fall off before they are ripe. So God says, whatever I have in store for you will come at the right time. That even though you're worried and you're watching this thing and you're hoping it doesn't fall, and that you're hoping the fertilizer is right and that you watered it, God says, I'll protect that too. Let me provide a context for you. Your work, if you're in business, your contracts, the things that keep you up at night, God says, I will protect those things and I will make sure that they produce fruit at the right season. Don't worry about next year. I will produce fruit in the right season. Don't worry about all the people around you. Don't worry about the corruption. I have you covered. I can cause people to look at you differently when you honor me with your finances. For many people in here, you probably don't even like your boss. <laughs> I'm hoping he's not in the room, right? Don't say amen if he's in the room. Just, just, just look at me, right? When you honor God with your finances, people start to have conversations about you in your absence. People start to talk about you and people start to move things in your favor even if they don't like you. Please hear me. Go and see the book of Jacob. People gave him wealth that didn't even like him. God is protecting you. If you're tithing, go to bed. I don't know who that's for. It's probably not for the whole room. But if you're here and you're tithing and you're up at night and you're worrying and you're checking the stocks and all those things, go to bed. Get some rest. God has you covered. I don't know who you are. But in this moment, God is telling you, get some rest. Now, the second level of generosity and stewardship is the offering. This is then an amount that you decide based on how God has prompted in your heart to give. This is called the offering. Second Corinthians chapter 9, Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth and he says this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves, um, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do you see that these scriptures, God is saying, Stop worrying about you. I got you. I'll bless you so much that you'll have enough for others. Don't be surprised when you start being faithful to God and God starts sending people to you who have problems. That means God can trust you. And you don't have to do anything except say, God, fill me up. Where do I need to be more faithful so that you can trust me with more? 
people who are in business now, there are people who are studying to make your business better. You need to accommodate them. You need to make space for them. And they're coming. I know finances is tight. I can see how some of you are looking at me. But by the end of this message, I promise you, you'll receive a breakthrough that will change your life forever. If you see yourself as this jug, God pours in, but the thing about the jug is that God determines how much comes out. If you allow yourself to be a jug, you allow yourself to be filled, but then also God determines how much comes out. You have, because you, you are the jug. You always have enough for you. But our responsibility once we start tithing and giving offerings is being sensitive to how God wants to take things out. So God, can God trust you today? As a church and as a family, can God trust us today? Many people go through very bad things economically when it comes to, um, to sorry, money, when it comes to the economy and all those kinds of things. But I've seen God in the Bible and in people's lives that when things become bad in one area, he moves them. Biblically, you always move them to the east. They always went to Egypt. And whenever they came out of it, they always came out better than when they went in. We get worried about um, recessions and inflation and all those kinds of things. But God is saying, can I trust you so that I can move you to the east? That even though things are bad here, they don't have to be bad for you. Things can be bad here, but they don't have to be bad for you. <laughs> for the testimonies that are going to come through. When you offer to God and you say, God, this is what I'm giving you for the work of your ministry, to grow the church, to make sure that people come to salvation, for people to go to Swaziland, and for us to open up other churches, God is saying, I can trust you. God is saying, that's a person I can use because I know that if I get it to them, it can also move through them. For many of us, once it gets to you, you're at the dealership. Before you even pray, God, what, why did you bring this increase? You're there looking at the cars. You buy the clothes and then say, God, um, thank you. God is like, for what? because we misuse what he's given us. Then lastly, there's the sacrificial offering. The sacrificial offering. Now the sacrificial offering is the one that hurts. An offering, giving whatever's on your heart, that doesn't really hurt. The sacrificial offering is the one that hurts. This is the one where you need prayer and where God deposits something in you and you are never ready for it. Have you ever been in praise and worship or having a moment or look at someone and God says, hey, pay attention to that. And you know what's coming. Maybe if you're in worship, like your eyes were closed and God's saying, like you deposit someone's face in your mind and you're like, no, nope, God, I, I see what you're doing. I'm going to open my eyes because I see you've done this before. Sacrificial offerings is exactly that. This is when God starts to say, I want you to step out of your comfort zone because now I'm not going to ask you for a little. I'm going to ask you for much. Now, can you trust to give much and trust him to put in? Every person sitting in this building today is sitting in the manifestation of sacrificial offerings. How many people still remember the old building? 
So if you're new to a church, we didn't always have this. Like, this is nice. We used to have chairs that like hooked onto one another, and then if somebody moved, we all moved. It was, it was very, very interesting. But God laid it on people's hearts to give sacrificially towards this. I remember hearing a story of a man who sold his holiday house because God told him to invest in this. So as you're sitting in that chair, it's because somebody else sold a chair. I know a guy who also said he was looking for a new vehicle for the family. And while he was looking at these vehicles, God was like, yep, add two for the church. That's big. That's big. And the man said, he didn't even realize that he was in a position, like he was in such a great position that he had the ability to do that. Because when God pours it and you're faithful, it'll be a moment. And you're like, I can do that. I prayed about doing that. I saw other people doing that and I wanted to do that. That's where sacrificial offerings come in. I want to quickly read um, 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 23 to um, 25. It says this. This is now uh, David speaking to a man who owned land and they're having a discussion about property. The man says, take it, um, the Lord, my king, my king, the Lord, and use it as you wish. Aroah said to David, there are oxen, the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and the oaks, the, the oaks yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I'll give it all to you, your majesty, and you may, uh, and you, the Lord your God, may accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aroa, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David understood this. But if I'm going to present something to God, it has to cost me something because I have to show God that he is more important than what I have. He had actually sinned here and God had told him to do this. And he had the opportunity to take a shortcut. He had an opportunity to give an offering that cost him nothing. And he was wise enough to go, no, I cannot give to God what costs me nothing. Because what God has given me is far more than these 50 pieces of silver. So as I wrap up today's message, I want to ask you, as a human being and as a person, can God trust you with the flow? If God gets it to you, are you going to become a dam or a river? Can he trust you with resources? Can he trust you to be faithful with it in these times? I'm convinced that this message had to come now because God is looking for people to use to bring solutions to this world. People are going through a lot. Some people even in here are going through a lot. And God is saying, I'm looking for people that I can trust. I'm going to get it to you, but can I get it through you? So as we wrap up and as just as I'm about to pray, I'm, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will give you the faith and the courage to honor God with your finances. So start off by tithing, then giving an offering, and then being sensitive to that moment where he wants you to make a sacrificial offering. He can trust you. You can do it. 
there are many messages and teachings about getting out of debt and lowering your living expenses and all those kinds of things, and those things are good. But in terms of the kingdom, in terms of making a lasting impact, in terms of leaving a, leg leaving a legacy, God needs to trust you with this. Away with cups. Our church will be jugs. People will say, I don't understand how the church is doing this. Orphanages will say, I don't understand what's going on in that church. Poor people will say, I don't know what's going on. Widows, we don't understand how that church is so generous and meeting our needs. If God can trust you with this, he can trust you with people. And if God can trust you with people, there's no end to how much he can fill your jug. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you for your people, Lord. God, I pray that this word will just fall into soft and fertile ground, Lord. That everything that you have said, everything that you have declared about your people, Lord, will become true. God, we know that you have promises, Lord, for us that you want to prosper us, that you want to give us a hope and a future. And I pray that every person will have the faith to believe that today. So Lord, give your people everything that they need. Provide for them, Lord, and give them an opportunity to respond in faith. I thank you for everything that you're going to do in this church and in every person that's connected to this church. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. Yeah.